Hey, everybody. Dr. Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor here. I am super excited. You know, I get to talk to a lot of really fun and interesting people, but a lot of them aren't my personal friends and like people who like I go to personally to learn about life and spirituality and all these amazing, amazing things. So today I have the great honor of introducing to you my dear, dear friend, Serena Poon. So She's got like a ton of letters behind her name, more letters than I have, actually. Um, she's actually a Cordon Bleu trained chef. She is a nutritionist. She's a Reiki master to all of the Hollywood elite. She's actually been uh, doing uh, like creating contemporary meals and menus for people like Jerry Bruckheimer, uh, P. Diddy, Carrie uh, Washington, you name it. And her passion uh, for integrative health and holistic nutrition actually led her to create something that she's going to tell us a lot about. And I'm telling you something, it's amazing. It's called culinary alchemy. It's a method of functional and spiritual nutrition that integrates how food affects our bodies on both a physiological level as well as an energetic level. And a lot of people might not have heard about that. And she knows her stuff. You're going to love it. Um, her work optimizes and heals the physical, emotional, as well as the spiritual. She's a Reiki master. She's trained at the Cordon Bleu. Holy crap. This girl's amazing. This is my dear, dear friend, Serena. Serena, welcome to the show. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for such an amazing introduction. And I'm just, I'm so grateful to be here. You know, I just adore you. And I'm just, I'm just grateful for our friendship. I am too. You're so sweet and you're so kind to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so first of all, you've done all these cool things. I mean, you're a Cordon Bleu trained chef. You then became a nutritionist, then a Reiki master. Help, help walk us through some of that time. And while you're doing it, tell us about how well you slept while you were trying to do all these things, because that's going to be a part of the interesting interview. So go for it. How did it all start out? Okay. Well, you know, it, it really started off. My journey began when my parents were, were sick. You know, when my dad mm. was sick, actually, I was still in college and he was diagnosed with stage four liver cancer. And Ugh, tough. It's, yeah. Um, it was such a touch. So, you know, it's kind of, it's a blur. You know how your mind remember certain things and then some things it's just blip like it's just gone and you just kind of like piece together like my um, high school career probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah Sorry. i mean i was definitely chunks in my memory so so yeah um so, so dad was ill so my dad was sick um it was my senior year in college and um and uh he was sick for about a year and i would say that it was during that time uh, interestingly enough, because we're going to talk about sleep, obviously, mm -hmm. for our right. podcast, but that was when I first experienced real insomnia. When mm. was when my dad was sick. Um, right. He like I just couldn't. It's, it was so odd. I don't think I really knew what insomnia meant until right. that experience because I literally just didn't sleep. I would just stay up all night, just listening to make sure if I heard him go to the restroom, he'd make it mm. back. I mean. It was, it was so strange. Now that I look back on people talk about not getting enough sleep and insomnia. Insomnia is like when you just don't sleep and then you knock out in the middle of the day like right. when your body. So that was probably my very first experience with not really not sleeping. Not getting great sleep. Yeah, not getting great sleep. So, so my dad was with us for about a year and three months and then he passed. And then two months after he passed, our, our mom got sick. She's still with us now. But you know, that was when my journey began. You know, I started looking at nutrition and food and, you know, just food as medicine when they were sick and just trying to... Now, were you already a chef at this point? 
No, no, no. I was oh. at, I was still at Berkeley and okay. was studying. I'd studied nutrition just because I liked food and I liked eating, but I also liked being healthy. And so it was just it was just something I was interested in. But I was actually studying to go to law school because that's what my that's what my parents wanted. You know, I'm Chinese. I'm supposed to be that or like a doctor. <laughs> National, I don't know, but not not that's a chef at the time. And so so I am. Um, I started, you know, I started looking at plants and food and, and after my dad passed, um, I decided to go to culinary school so that I could learn the culinary arts and how to incorporate, you know, food as medicine and nutrition because I just, you know, was so cool. Medicine, it's just not always there. They didn't at the time, especially nutrition wasn't integrated into the medicine that they were giving my parents. So that's mm. how I first started and then starting to dive into nutrition more from there from a very holistic perspective, you know, like, like Chinese medicine I grew up with, we're already doing, and then there's Ayurvedic. And so there's different types of holistic medicine and really, really wanting to understand how to heal the body from that perspective, as opposed to, you know, allopathic and kind of like conventional, traditional. And I didn't Makes study the for a reason. So, so what was it like going to the Cordon Bleu school? What was that uh, experience like? Uh, it was hard, and you know, talk about like if I, if you ask me about sleep, I mean, I would say that I definitely didn't get a ton of sleep then either. But <laughs> I still slept, you know. And it's right. interesting because after meeting you and 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 knowing even before then, but definitely you have made it so clear to me how important it is to sleep, and I see the difference in the way my mind works and when my body functions, everything when I get more sleep. So when I was in culinary school, it was tough. You know, I, my family didn't approve. They thought I was having like a mid-20s crisis. And it was, still, it was still, I still had time to be a doctor, you know. I was going to do this blue-collar service job, and they weren't okay with it. So I, I knew I had to make it work. And I'm not a very big person. So when you're a female in the in the kitchen, you know, in the culinary school or just in the culinary arts, especially when I was there, I mean, I, you had to hold your weight. And so right. Soft pots were my size, you know, and <laughs> it's really hard work. And I, you know, lost all my eyelashes and all my like, you know, it was, it was, it was like boot camp. It was really hard, and wow. I didn't sleep terribly well. But I would definitely say I, I still slept more than I did when my dad was sick. And um, your body doesn't bounce back the same when right. you don't get enough sleep. When you're in your twenties, it seems like your body's your body bounces back no matter what you do. Mm. But the sleep part helps. Yeah, for sure. So how long is culinary school? Uh, it was only, it's about two years, you know, different okay. programs. They range between 15 months and two years or two and a half years. I had already had a college degree. So I already had my mm -hmm. bachelor's from Berkeley. So I didn't mm -hmm. need to have an extra two years. So for some people, culinary, look, a culinary arts program can be four years so they can get in their GEs. But I had done that. And then I was also an intern at the Playboy Mansion during part of my schooling. And so mm -hmm. I would say that while I was there, and then when they hired me on to work as a chef there, that was when sleep was also probably important. Uh, okay, okay, back up, back up. <laughs> you know, you knew I was going to get you there eventually. So you got to talk about what it was like being the personal chef at the Playboy mansion talk about no sleep because where i was going to be going with the conversation was i was going to say you know did you ever work in restaurants where you'd have to be up late because you know the restaurant industry it's notorious okay. for people you know not even coming in until six o'clock you know for prep and then they're there until one o'clock and then everybody's drinking afterwards until three totally. and it's just and it's and it's a pretty big party atmosphere in a regular restaurant you were at the freaking playboy mansion <laughs> at what time what what 
uh, what year was it when you were there? Oh my gosh, I don't remember. It was, was it the nine? Well, it had to be in like the nineties, the two thousands. Oh no, no, no! It was after. It was definitely two thousand. I'm not that. I think it was like now we're working away my age now. <laughs> okay, it was right before. You'd have been three if it was in the nineties, right? <laughs> yeah, it was right before that reality show. So there was a reality. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, the reality show with the three Playboy bunnies, right? Yeah. So it was right before. It was still. It was kind of like before all that took over. Like it was. It was still very VIP to. Oh, I bet. Invited, you know, and. Mm-hmm still very private because you know they took away your cameras or they made sure they were really thank god cameras yeah (laughs) but i mean that's why you saw all kinds of stuff there because i'm sure there's things you'd wish you could erase from your brain that you saw during that period of time don't tell don't tell anybody i don't want to well my confidentiality agreement is like three three i mean huff's gone now so it probably doesn't matter there's been like a book by every single bunny that was there but you know you you definitely it definitely prepped me for working inside of homes later because interesting you saw everything like there's nothing that can shock me i've had clients that like to sunbathe in the nude you know so you're in prepping and they're walking around you know (laughs) walk naked in the backyard or whatever you know about an eye because you've seen it all after you've worked at the playboy mansion you've seen hundreds of (laughs) one right at the same time probably so (laughs) so did anybody ever sleep there like i mean like Aside from passing out, I guess, right? Uh, are you talking about the staff? Or are you talking about- Well, like, I mean, it seems like those parties would last really late into the evening. So, like, oh, yeah. was an average party there done at, like, two or four or when the sun comes up? Like, what was that lifestyle like? It was, it totally depended on the party, you know? So, oh, interesting. I would say that there's some parties that they had a, they had a stop time. So, mm. it's at midnight or two. And then there are obviously parties that went. Um, into the wee hours of the night. And Got it. I would say my longest shift working there was about 16 hours, which is probably totally illegal, but whatever. <laughs> like go to your car, you take right. a break, and then you walk back inside because the parties go long. Like Hef's birthday party goes really long. Um, Midsummer's goes really right. long. Uh, New Year's goes really long. So you're basically churning out food for six to eight hours, and you're there, you're there from like five or six in the morning until probably like, three or four it's not you're there almost the entire time on so when so when you when you were doing those kind of events mm-hmm. right where you're doing 10 hours 12 hours like are you still logging sl- your good sleep before and sleep back back in the day i know now you are because i've been working on you but back in the <laughs> day right you probably you probably were you not no you're not getting as good a sleep there's no. no time to sleep like by the time you get home you've got to turn around and be back at work within like four or five hours and if you want to Ouch. have a life like if you want to have a life, you're definitely not sleeping. I mean, if you have, I mean, I remember at the time, my boyfriend would be like, we have no life. And so, you know, you're working until like, like eight, nine or 10. And then if you want to have a life, you go out and go out till like one or two. And then you're up right. back at work by five or six. Oy. So it's definitely not on sleep. But again, you know, you have youth. <laughs> right. Thank God. So how did you make the transition from events and doing the chef thing into becoming a nutritionist? What what brought that idea on for you? And then what had you started to learn more about how food affects the body? Well, I think that, and that's a great question. Thank you. Um, I think that, you know, nutrition was something I started off just studying when I was just in college, just purely out of like self-interest and curiosity because I'd, uh, I'm such a foodie and just love eating and just wanted to know what I'm putting into my body. And then of course, when my parents were sick, that just 
that just mm, elevates right. my interest in wanting to know and understand nutrition and the power of food and food as medicine. And when you're in culinary school, you definitely study nutrition, but I just continue to take it further. So even after I finished culinary school, I continue to study nutrition and the mm -hmm. different uh, modalities or fields of nutrition. So, you know, whether I guess I had already mentioned whether it's holistic or Chinese or Ayurvedic, I mean, right. so many different types. And so that was really just my own nerdiness. Like I, <laughs> like you, that's how we bond, right? Like I just right. work out. We're total like, nerds. It's ridiculous. Total nerds. And I just, wanted, I just wanted to understand. And I always felt that, um, and of course the core of why I went into food in the first place was to understand how food can heal the body and mm. what I could do to make it taste really amazing. Because one of the things is when you're sick, you don't want to eat anything. Your, toast, your taste buds are muted and right. you know, things don't taste good. The things that taste good aren't good for you. So it was sort of like, well, how can we make the things that are good for you also taste good? Um, so I just started to study that more. And then, of course, in the course of my own journey, my own mm -hmm. health journey, starting from the stress that came from my parents being sick, not right. taking care of myself, not sleeping enough, you know, I developed a lot of inflammation in my own body and um, which caused some problems in my own body. So I ended up having to have a surgery. And this was, um, I think this was, this was right after I started on my own with my own catering business outside right. of Playboy. And, um, and you know what, if I basically got like an infection from that, like, and then I had to, my body just kind of, I just kind of dealt with it. And then that got really bad. And so at some point I had to have a surgery just to remove some of this inflamed tissue, damaged tissue. Right. Got MRSA, MRSA from that deadly infection. Scary stuff. Onto, yeah, it led onto a journey of like many years where I had to have multiple surgeries and I was trying to mitigate, you know, the inflammation and mm -hmm. the damage from this infection, this bacteria that wouldn't go away with food. And so I really started to sort of heal my own body and really dive into mm. food and nutrition and, and, and the power of that in just in my own work towards myself, but I was already kind of doing it from a surface level with my clients. So from a weight loss perspective, right? So I'm making sure. them meals, making healthier versions, using alternative diets, you know, being gluten-free. I was doing that decades ago, but as I was healing, I learned that I could do this for my clients. And so, you know, there's a point that came where I, I had a surgery and, it, and, and, you know, you, because you're my dear friend, I already know this, but I'll share this with your listeners was that after, I think it was my fourth, my fourth surgery, I, um, I had a massive hematoma, like 12 days out and I ended up bleeding internally and it was terrible. I started to, it, you know, this was like on a Saturday. So the long and short of that experience was like, I nearly died. I'd lost so much blood. It was like the grace of, you know, my angels, my dad and, you know, some amazing clients that I have, you know, like the type that you named off that were able to right. help me. Um, and they saved me. And in that process, I learned what the doctors weren't telling me, which is how to raise my hemoglobin levels, like how to really mm -hmm. accelerate and maximize um, the healing of my tissue and the cells and how to how to really optimize healing and I learned that I could help people do this just surgical like pre-op post-op I could really help mm. you really prep your body to get ready for surgery which is a massive trauma whether or not it's massive or necessary any type anything anytime you something like that to your body it's a trauma and then to help you 
optimize and accelerate that healing process, but really so that you have great results. You know, so mm. your tissue, your body actually heals optimally. It's not just aesthetics, right? Right. That's what I started to do, and that's how I pivoted my business because when I had that massive hematoma and I had to be rushed to, you know, to have these surgery, I couldn't use the left right. side of my body for months. Ugh. So I couldn't cook. So it was sort of like, what am I going to do? Wait, I have all this knowledge and I know how you can how you can heal the body with food. I don't have to prepare your food. I can still teach you how and coach you. So then that became that uh, that that other part of my business, which is the consulting with the nutrition, and I just continue to expand that way. That, that's awesome. So after all of those crazy health challenges, which you and I have talked about all the time, yeah. um, you know what ended up happening to your sleep. And then from there, uh, Reiki, really? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing how well your body can heal when you listen to Dr. Bruce. And <laughs> so I didn't know Dr. Bruce back then and was not really understanding, even though you know it kind of cerebrally, like, you know, I need right. sleep. The body rests, the body sleep, but it's truly like sleep is medicine. You know, sleep is really like your most natural holistic form of medicine for your body to regenerate, to heal. And, you know, I was forced to rest. I was forced to sleep when that stuff yeah. happened. Um, you were kind of burning the candle at both ends before that. Let's just be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, let's be honest. I still have a tendency to do that. Try to keep me in check sometimes, right? I go, go, go. So, so yeah. Yep. I mean, if a candle had six ends, I burnt all of them. Yes, for sure. Um, for sure. So then, so then Reiki, like what, yes. what, what brought that part on? Because that's a whole different kind of energy and idea and thought process about healing. So help us understand how you got there. Yes. Yeah, so it's a great question. So people often ask me, like, how did I go from culinary school to being a nutritionist to Reiki? And for me, I realized it was so organic. It like just naturally led me there because we're focusing on the tangibles, right? We're focusing on the body, the physical body, what you're doing with your body. Okay, I can exercise and have this great, great um, routine and do all the right things physically. I can put all the good things into my body. I can get, you know, a good amount of sleep, you know, for my, but there is still something that I felt intuitively was kind of missing. Like there was always mm -hmm. like a little missing link. And it was really that it's that spiritual part of you. It's that energy as that energetic body, you know, that makes up who you are. So I believe energy is everything. We're all connected. And mm -hmm. What, what brings everything again when you're talking about full body, mind, and soul, it is really our physical bodies, our emotional, mental, and our spiritual body, this energy that runs through all of us. So I started to work with a healer, um, and this was actually during the time that I was recovering from these surgeries, but not clicking, you know, I'm mm. like talking to my healer, like she's a therapist, you know, and, you know, doing these sessions, okay, I always felt better, but not really connecting, so... I made a commitment to myself that I was going to treat my sessions with her as I would if I was going to the gym or eating good, healthy food, which is just very routine. Like mm -hmm. you, like you say with your practice of sleep, you know, that you just have to stick to this routine. So I did that with, with my sessions with her. And over the, a period of a few months, she was just like, wow, 
I I love what I'm seeing. It's always this light. It's like it's white light, white light. And we go through session notes. And after about it wasn't quite eight months. It was maybe about close to eight months. She said, "Okay, I think you're ready." And I was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> ready for what? I, I think you're ready. I want you to come out to New Mexico, and I want to teach you what I do. And I was like, "What? What are you talking about right now? <laughs> like, you're my master. You're my master. I can't do what you do. Like, this is crazy talk, right? I don't even what." So, so of course, I was. I said, "Okay, that's awesome." And and by the way, I hadn't met this woman yet. I talked to her over the phone. She was a mm-hmm. from a dear friend of mine whose family had worked with her. She's in her seventies. We don't talk on the phone. So it took me about three months to really own, you know, what she was saying. And she sent me a few exercises and I will, I'll never forget. It was the middle of the night. Okay. It was like 2 a.m. Okay. It was, it was 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. I, I slept after, but it was like, it's okay. Okay. So 2 a.m. I'm doing this practice with my hands that she had taught me with energy. And I felt it. I mean, I could literally feel the power of the energy between my hands and there's no one else around me. I was by myself. I didn't know who to call. I freaked out. And so the next morning I called her and I said, okay, I'll come. So I went, went to New Mexico. She came and she picked me up and like Albuquerque mm-hmm. where I flew into and her big right. giant, what are those cars? And again, I don't know, those big old cars. <laughs> um, and I stayed with her for a weekend and she taught me everything that she does at the time. She didn't have a name for it. It was just like her style, her method. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized I needed something with a little bit more structure because I couldn't fully apply what she had taught me. I could conceptually, but in terms of technique, I realized I needed something with more structure. So I decided to study Reiki because it's all very much the same. We're just moving mm-hmm. and channeling energy. You know, people have different ways of doing it. And right. for me, I wanted just along with all the other certifications for it to make sense. And I studied Reiki, and that was like the missing link to understanding how that energy really can channel through us. And I use food to do it with people. So I believe that sleep is merely just energy transfer. Yeah. Right. So you take, so you just, you focus your energy in a different way, in a different direction, and that allows you to get into a quiescent state and then eventually allows you to get into a sleep state. And then when your body is ready, you ask it to come out of that state and then you come out of that energetic state and then you're awake. So I think that what you're doing actually makes tremendous sense when it comes to sleep because of the energy work. So when you do Reiki on people, whether they're local to you or during times like now at COVID where you can do it from a distal, what if people don't know what that means, she can actually work with you uh, from far away. What do they report about their sleep? I'm super curious. Oh, I mean, I get so many requests for late night sessions or later in the evening sessions because. Are you putting people to bed, Serena? Is that what's going on? You're like reading them bedtime stories. (laughs) I I, like they sleep so deeply, you know, and it's, um, it's just a beautiful, I feel really grateful and blessed. It's just a beautiful thing that I can help do for people and clients. And it's just, it's almost like. It, it clears all the other energy that keeps your body kind of like hyped and, and um, not quivering, but you know what, you know what word I'm looking for. I know. Like I know what you're talking about. It's kind of like stimulated and you want to be stimulated. unstimulated. Yes, exactly. And, uh, and it puts them in such a deep, deep, deep sleep. And, you know, especially right now, people are, or just, I wouldn't even say right now, at any given time, people can have anxiety, right? That keeps them up. 
And when you get that really good quality sleep, you can have that really deep sleep. It just completely changes your the whole next day. How does it change your energy profile? Like when, like, can you, when you work with somebody, can you tell if they've got good energy profile versus bad based on their sleep? Or like if they've gotten a bad night's sleep the night before, can you tell? Um, well, what I can tell is that, you know, when I, that their, um, their energy isn't like, like, uh, stable. It's almost like, because when we're looking at the chakras, now, there's a lot more than just seven basic chakras once you study energy work. It's something my teacher, one of my teachers, the masters, is always reminding us. But we talk about seven basic chakras because that's like the big for people to work with. And so each chakra, each energy chakra, it, it kind of it correlates to different areas of your body and different areas of your organ system. So when you're going through and you're looking at someone's um, energy center, you know, you can, it's almost like, it sounds weird. But it's almost like visual. You can see whether or not that center is blocked, congested. It feels almost dense, or if it's like um, like quivery. You know, it's unstable. It's somewhat frenetic and chaotic. And so that can be evident, uh, and it can come from, let's say, a lack of. It can come from a lot of things. But if you don't get enough sleep, obviously, like there's there's your you know, it's like that sympathetic versus parasympathetic system. Right. It'll show up in your physical body as well, and it also shows up in your um, energetic body and in your energy centers. Yeah, because my guess is, is like if if I went and uh, met you for lunch and I hadn't had a good night's sleep, you'd be able to tell energetically that I didn't get a good night's sleep before you could tell it on my face, (laughs) (laughs) right? You know that type of thing. Definitely. And then we would do a little bit of work, and we'd have a chat, and you wouldn't even know that while we're talking and having lunch. I'm working on your energy and then you would leave lunch feeling much more calm um, and a lot more grounded. I mean, this is the best lunch I've had in a while. What are we eating? I mean, are we, oh, that's another question, right? Because you're the chef. So I know that you're also, you're vegan, correct? Yes, plant-based. So help us understand how did you make that transition and how did it affect your sleep? Oh, okay. That's a great question. So I... I started, so I didn't go fully plant-based right away. I would kind of go through periods. So when I was preparing myself for surgery, one, one of, I think it was my fourth, <laughs> right. I, I decided I just want to be super clean um, and as clean as possible. So I, I just went plant-based, you know, I did, and I, 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 I kind of. So it was in response to the medical situation that you, or at least partially. It was partly because I really wanted to reduce the level of inflammation in my body in the ways that I could control. So stress is always that like aggregate, aggregate that you can, you have so much control over, but right. I mean, there's environmental, there's your thoughts, there's all the things, there's lack of sleep. Uh, so I knew with what I was putting into my body in terms of food and diet that I could minimize the, the inflammation levels by going more plant-based. So I did that. So that was kind of like how I first started. So I'd ease off of different types of foods um, and meat. And I did that for several months. And then, of course, once, you know, that whole thing with the hematoma happened, I had to go right back to meat because I had to pump mm. up. Oh, right. Because you were low on hemoglobin, right? Yeah. And so it, it oscillated. And then one day I just, in, it was in preparation for my seventh surgery. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm going to go plant-based again. And then I just stuck to it. You know, I did a tiny bit of, I did a little bit of bone broth while I was recovering uh, from that surgery, which went on for like two and a half months. But other than that, I hadn't had meat, you know, since even before then. 
So I would say that. How did it change your sleep? Do you think? I, I think because it really my it's easier my digestive system. You know, systematically my body is processing more efficiently. Uh, so because it helps with my digestion, it's almost like when I have when I go down to rest. My body can fully rest. You know, I'm not digesting meat or some sort of protein from four hours before.、Um, you know, even if I'm going to bed three hours after dinner. You know, for so my it allows my body to kind of rest, and you know, the system. You know, my body can go through the system and the cycle of detoxing as it does when it sleep when you sleep. So I feel that it actually has helped my sleep a lot. And then you know, there's certain types of herbs. Uh, the herbs and plants that I well, you're big into the herbs and teas world, right? Yeah, like especially for sleep, there's different things.、So. Dude, tell us about the teas that you love. First of all, I have one other question before we start talking about teas. Yeah, favorite favorite midnight snack. What is it for you? Oh, <laughs> there's like so many.、Um, you can fire off a few. Oh, okay. So it depends. Like if I'm salty, like if I, I have like I just I like you're never salty, but if you're、I、in the mood for salt, <laughs> I'm a salty crunchy girl. So I have these um I like almost anything salty crunchy. So I have these like crackers that I love. They're like they're like seeds. I think they're Mario's, but you can make them too. But they're just seed crackers, and I love them with vegan cheese. And it's totally not what you're supposed to eat before bed, but I love that. So you're wrong. That's exactly what you're supposed to eat before bed. So what I recommend, yeah, what I'm recommending for well, vegan cheese is not bad at all. So what I'm recommending for my patients is 75% carbs, 25% protein, right? So cheese and crackers, especially a vegan cheese and crackers, would be perfect. Oh my god, that's having my thing, yay! <laughs> right, like 250 calorie snack, 25% protein, 75% carbs has a tendency to work really well. So you're a cheese and crackers kind of girl. I'm an ice cream guy. Like I just if I have sweet if I'm feeling sweet you know got it I'll got it got it got it I'm there with you my vegan ice cream but I'll do oatmeal sometimes too like oh yeah that's a great one actually、yeah. with like some tart cherry like dried tart cherries because tart cherries have melatonin in them、yes. or you can throw some、uh, blueberries in there for a little bit of antioxidants okay so we go through the midnight snack、mm-hmm. now we're down to the tea yeah you're a tea girl tell us some some something about teas that you enjoy or that you've learned and that can help us. Well, I'm a I'm a big tea girl, as you said, and I love the herbal teas. Teas are, you know, teas are just a great way of getting in some very natural plant medicine, and that's not like I type of plant medicine, just like natural herbs and leaves and roots that have very very subtle medicinal effects on your body. That's very supportive. So I love passion flower. You know, obviously there's teas like chamomile, lavender that people are really familiar with. But I love passion flower. It's something that I feel, and and if you drink, for those of you who have never tried it, if you drink passion flower tea every night for about a week, you might just notice a change in your sleep. You know, it's something subtle that can calm down your mind. It's just got it. It, it helps to、um, promote your levels of GABA, so GABA. So that's something that's also really great for sleep. And so, so for folks out there who don't know what GABA is, I call GABA the breaks of the brain. Right, so it's that hormone that gets released that starts to slow everything down for sleep. Now, one interesting thing about passion flower that I was going to say, many people don't know this, but if you actually are allergic to ragweed, you can also be allergic to passion flower. So be a little careful if you've got a rad, if you've got a ragweed allergy, passion flower tea might not be the best. Yeah. So now, if you can't that, if you, if you can't have that, you can also have.、Um, there's valerian, which kind of smells funky, so it's not. It smells terrible. Yeah, it's my favorite. 
But there's also like kava. There's also jujubes, mm-hmm. which are a type of cake. So if you like, yes. See, guys, you don't understand. She really is. It's like she's bringing on like the serious knowledge here because she's gonna next. She's gonna talk about probably magnolia bark. Yes. And <laughs> right, I know, I know. And ju- and jujuba side, which is the jujubes, and then the passion flower. Like these aren't your typical. Oh, throw in some valerian, throw in a little L-theanine, and let's call it a freaking day. These are like real compounds that have real, uh, real effects on them. So tell us more. Yes. Yeah, so that's the thing with the jujubes, you know, as you said, it just, and it has so many, it has really great amounts of um, vitamin A, B, C. It's just, it's just something that helps reduce the activity in your hippocampus in the brain. And so it's just, it's just one of those things that's uncommon but soothing and also has a much better, uh, it's just a much better taste. So it's better for your palate if you're someone that's drawn to something a little bit sweet. Um, and then of course, there's the magnolia bark, which is also less common that you already mentioned. And it's something that's great that people have been using it in China for years, years and years and years. It's good for allergies, anxiety, um, insomnia. Um, I, I did, I've never used magnolia bark when I had serious insomnia, you know, because that was back then, yeah. you know, and now I work with Dr. Bruce, so I don't have insomnia <laughs> issues. It's just more about not burning the candle at both ends issues. <laughs> yes, indeed. He reminds me. Um, and all the teas that you're talking about are decaffeinated, right? They're all herbal, yeah, non, yeah. non, not real tea tea, as they say, but more on the herbal side, correct? Yes, correct. Correct. And, um, and so, and so they're all, they're all herbal, they're all non-caffeinated. Again, it's also helpful because there's compounds in the magnolia bark also that help increase the amount of saba as well. So a lot of these things kind of do very similar things to your brain and to help relax your body into sleep. It's just sort of depending on your, your palate, you know, like which, which flavors are you more drawn to, but also helps to kind of ease your body into that state. And of course, when we can relax our bodies and relax our minds, our, our bodies naturally prepared to go to sleep. So. so that sounds like culinary alchemy to me. Yes, yes, it <laughs> is. I mean, culinary alchemy is just all about working. Tell us all about it. Well, you had already described it and you described it perfectly. You know, it's we're with culinary alchemy, we're basically looking to either heal or optimize your body. And that's by working together with our physical you know, our spiritual, it's total mind, body, soul, we're balancing everything out through the energetics of nutrition, you know, so we're using food or plants and herbs, and in some cases, some supplements, I try to reach for mostly plant-based supplements, but sometimes, you know, like magnesium is great, you know, if you, if you don't have that banana peel in on, right. your, on yourself, then go get some magnesium glycinate, these are things that just kind of help support your body. But the nice thing is when we were talking about energy centers and chakras earlier, it's that sometimes when you're eating in alignment with those energy centers, it also helps to calm your body down. So if you have different uh, like blockages or if different areas of your energy center is congested or maybe, like we said, maybe feeling a little frenetic, when you're mm-hmm. eating in alignment to support that energy center, it helps bring your whole body back into balance. And That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, you're doing it. I know you are. We talk all the time. Absolutely. All right. So if people want to learn more about all of your amazing stuff, and don't forget to tell us about Just Add Water because that's a really amazing supplement that you've created. Um, where do they go to find more information out about you? 
Well, um, if you want to find information about me, and just I want to include it here, you can go to my website, uh, yep. serenaloves.com, or you can go to my Instagram page, which has everything, uh, and that's Chef Serena Poon, so C-H-E-F-S-E-R-E-N-A-P-O-O-N, and you'll find links to everywhere as well on my Instagram page. And different awesome. Shows. And everybody needs to check out her Instagram lives Holy cow. These are, she has some of the most amazing guests on these. Of course, one of them was me. So that makes it even yes, more amazing. I was going to say, you. <laughs> we need to have back on. People loved you. So, oh, you're so sweet. You know, people are, people have passion about sleep, right? I mean, people are, I mean, that's why we're doing the podcast, right? Is people want to know more and more about sleep. So tell us really quickly what's Just Add Water. Okay. So, Just Add Water, uh, which, by the way, I had, I, it, Just Add Water is, fully registered that's like our good for you yeah. grab that ip girl um so for all of you guys who are using that you can't use it anymore <laughs> so just our water is uh basically like a, it's a superfood supplement so it's really nutrient dense there's like 30 some ingredients in it and it's got what i i call everything that you need in a day so you know we've got eight different kinds of super super greens everything from spirulina to corella to wheatgrass to barley, barley grass and we've got eight super highly antioxidant foods in it and there's probiotics prebiotics digestive enzymes and there's also adaptogens that kind of help support your adrenals so there's some lacuma and gelatinous maca and so it's just all blended up together to give your body what you need in one quick shot with you know 46 ounces of water and I wait 46 it. ounces of water no, or four, four two, two six. six. Yeah. Whew. Four, I was going to say, I'm not sure if anybody's going to be drinking 46 ounces of water, girl. No, but you, right. you should stay hydrated. So all of you I know you're right. Much. But um, yeah, we just said water. That's all it is. You just add a little bit of water to it. And I actually created it uh, for my clients, you know, years ago because they were, you know, especially the ones that are, are in front of the camera, they travel like crazy. And so then they, they land, they show up. I mean, they've got to be game face on visually, but also with their mind and, and their physical body and how they behave. And so I just realized that every time they had to go travel abroad somewhere, or, you know, go on location, I wasn't traveling with them, they would just come back a mess. So I created this blend and I just said, just have one of these every single day and you'll come back to me whole and you'll be okay. So it's now like, I mean, it's, they, they just, they all use this every, I mean, I can't, I, I can't even it's get to stop using it. They go two or three sometimes a day. It's, it's their, it's their little secret weapon. I love it. I love it. So for folks out there who don't know about it, it's amazing. It tastes incredible. I've been fortunate enough to be able to sample quite a bit of it. And I recommend it highly to folks out there. Once again, you want to check out Serena on her Instagram live. She does literally an amazing job. And some of the guests she has are in Incredible. And she just digs in and she gets the info just like you want it. So it's awesome. So thanks so much, Serena, for all that you do in my life and in the community and for the podcast. You are an awesome, awesome human. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. Thank you for having me. I really loved it. And thank you for everything that you do. I'm so grateful for you. So everybody just got to hear from my dear, dear friend, uh, Chef Serena Poon. And so, I mean, light bulb after light bulb keeps popping off. And I've known this girl for a while and I keep learning new and interesting things. I think my favorite part of the interview was really understanding uh, sort of what culinary alchemy means. I thought that was really beautiful that it's 
you know, I mean, back in the day, you know, people would say a prayer before their meal a lot of times, you know, and we, and we, and that, that's a custom that I think some people may still do. Many, many people don't. What, what I found in, uh, important about what Serena was telling us is that we need to be aligned before we take in a new form of anything, energy, emotion, what have you. And so having that ability to become aligned before you eat allows for that food to do what it needs to do. I mean, it's medicine, right? So at the end of the day, if we open up our body and we open up our mind and we say, hey, this is what we're looking for, please help us. And then we actually eat really good food and we do really good things for ourselves. It happens in a great way. So I think that's what culinary alchemy meant to me. And I, I thought it was pretty spectacular. Also, you know, to be clear, like this just adds water stuff. It's really good. I highly recommend that you guys check it out. And then, of course, just listening to her journey going from becoming a chef to being a nutritionist and then on to the Reiki master, it really, it shows this incredible depth of interest. Like she's a curious girl. Like she wants to figure this stuff out and, and wants to help not just herself, but so many people around her. So I, I got a tremendous amount out of it. I hope everybody out there did as well. Um, but you know, Serena, she's pretty amazing. Go check her out. So this is the part of the show where I'm answering questions from people about their sleep from literally all over the world. I'm super excited to hear these questions. And we've got some really good ones today. Uh, Anthony from Louisiana asks, what is it like to do a sleep study? <laughs> you know, Anthony, it's kind of one of those things where you think to yourself, is this going to be okay? What's going to happen in here? So here's the good news is most sleep studies are now done in hotel-like environments. So they can be in private medical facilities or even in hospitals, but the room is usually very nicely appointed. Uh, in most cases, there's, believe it or not, there's a television in there. Um, but what you do is you would go in around, you know, 7, 30, 8 o'clock at night, get into your bed clothes, and then a technologist would actually apply 27 different electrodes all over your head and body. There would be two belts that go across your chest to measure your breathing. Uh, there'd be something on your finger to measure your oxygen levels, and there'd be a video camera that would watch you as well. All of these electrodes get plugged into a centralized box, and then this main wire goes to a back area where technologists are reviewing your data all night long. So you're probably wondering, how on earth can somebody actually sleep with all of that stuff on them? So here's the thing is, generally speaking, we don't do sleep studies on people who have insomnia, because if you didn't sleep well before and I attach 27 electrodes to you, you really aren't going to sleep now. Most sleep studies are done in order to diagnose things like sleep apnea, narcolepsy, restless leg syndrome, periodic limb movements, or some of the stranger things that we call parasomnias. But generally speaking, if you're going to be doing a sleep study, at least here in the United States, it's probably going to be for apnea. Our next question comes from Paul from Connecticut, and he asks, if I can only do one thing right now to try and make my sleep better, what would it be? <laughs> Paul, you're like the one thing guy, right? So people ask me all the time, they don't want to do a whole lot. If we could only do one thing, Dr. Bruce, just, just, just one thing, what would it be? Well, I'm going to tell you, I would wake up every day at the same chronotypical wake up time. It sounds a little complicated, so let me break it down. Waking up at the same time every day resets your circadian clock, which is that internal biological clock, which determines what time you feel sleepy. And it is incredibly important. But waking up every time 
every day at the same time is very important, but waking up every day at the same time based on something called your chronotype turns out to be even better. If you don't know what a chronotype is, head on over to chronoquiz.com and you're going to learn a whole lot more. But this is if you're an early bird versus a night owl. There's actually four different distinctions. But if you wake up every single day at the same time, including the weekends, it will be significantly better for your health. Finally, we've got Emily from Tucson, and she asks, if I take melatonin, will my brain stop making it? Emily, this is an incredibly common question, and believe it or not, there have been at least two research studies to show that people who take melatonin as a supplement, their body does not stop producing it. So you don't have to worry about that, but the truth of the matter is, why are you taking it to begin with? Most people really only need melatonin for circadian rhythm issues like jet lag or shift work. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you know anyone you think might have a fascinating sleep story and make for a tremendous guest, please send me an email at drbruce at thesleepdoctor.com. That's D-R-B-R-E-U-S at thesleepdoctor.com. If you want more information, feel free to visit my website, thesleepdoctor.com. I hope you learned something new to help you live better. Until next time, sweet dreams.